Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Ready? Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45. It's where we're going to be. And to begin with, a few pictures will come up on the screen. This is Sidney McLaughlin. American Olympian, hurdler, and sprinter. She recently, uh, just in July, broke her world record for the fourth time. I saw some of the track and field event on television. It's just remarkable. So she broke her world record again on a Friday, and part of her social media post on a Saturday included things like this. She said, praise his name. She goes on to remark, let's continue to push the bounds of the sport because with God, all things are possible. I use this as an example of an accomplished person giving credit to or acknowledging their Lord, their God, being public with their faith. Another example, it's not just celebrities that do this, Jeremy Johnson, Jeremy's the guy. Uh, Jeremy recently, by the way, Jeremy was in this tank. One of the, he's kind of a celebrity at the church because he's involved in a lot of things. But he was one of the guys in here helping to do baptisms during this service. But recently, Jeremy was diagnosed with a heart problem. And uh, so they went in to do a procedure. And surprisingly, in the midst of the procedure, they found out that the expected problem really wasn't a problem. There was no problem. And so long story short, as the doctors began to explain, well, it's possible to have a false positive in this test, Jeremy interjected and he said this. He said, I had a bunch of brothers and sisters praying. He said, I think it was an answer to healing prayer. Okay? So, yeah. just another example of someone giving credit somewhat publicly to God, bringing God into the conversation. Next couple pictures, of, uh, you may have seen this remarkable motorcycle trike thing in our parking lot every once in a while. Jim Gesto's his name. He's part of the church, been a member for quite some time. So he builds these things and uh, sells them. And, and part of every one that he makes, there's a, this giant cross, a giant cross on the back. And he's been asked I'm, from people who are interested in actually paying, uh, they're more than like $1.50 to buy one of these things. And he's been asked by people, well, yeah, I think I'm interested in one, but I don't want the cross on the back. And he says, I don't build them without the cross on the back. And so... It's another example of a person with a fairly public, right, willing to share, like, God is part of my life and I'm not going to keep it quiet. It brings up a question for us. How public is my life with God? Another way to think of it is, do I give credit to God? Do I verbally, do I ever testify or give a testimony about what God is doing. Now, it doesn't have to be a giant cross on the back of your car, but do you ever publicly say things like, I'm grateful to God for this beautiful day, or I'm grateful to God for my job, or for 
uh, my friends. I'm grateful to God for his grace in my life that I'm healthy today. Do you ever wear a t-shirt that says Jesus on it or something out there in the real world? For me, uh, this, uh, the rubber hits the road for me in times, not when I'm around the church and, you know, being the pastor guy. Because so, I, I talk about God when we're around church. For me, it has to do with times like this last Friday, two Fridays ago, I was invited to play in a golf outing thing, and I was in a golf cart with a guy named Joe, who I've never had a significant conversation with, and we were doing the, so Joe, tell me about your life, and then he reciprocated and said, well, Mark, tell me about yours, and for me, the, the moment of truth is whether I include, by the way, Joe, when I was 20, I met Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and it changed my life. That's, for me, those are the times. I said, oh, yeah, and so I told Joe that. And just so you know, he didn't kick me out of the golf cart and say, Get, right, it's just, it's just part of the deal. Are we bringing up God? Are we sharing our testimony? Are we talking about his faithfulness? I know some of us are doing this regularly and well. There might be other people. <laughs> There might be other people that our minds kind of go to, well, my faith is a private thing. And I want to poke at that a little bit with a couple really important Bible verses. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Oh! Luke 9:26 Jesus said gosh this is a, this verse is important whoever is ashamed of me and my words the son of man will be ashamed of them That's kind of edgy isn't it when he comes in his glory and by the way Jesus is coming back Gosh wouldn't that be a bummer <laughs> if you had a faith, and you go, oh, I'm trusting Jesus, and then he comes back and says, yeah, I don't even know that person. They would not talk about me, because they were ashamed. Wouldn't that be horrible? Frightening. Ah! Romans 10, 14, this is connected to the value of sharing, because it makes a difference with other people, and they might come to know Jesus, which changes everything says, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them, talking to them? Everybody here, probably, I'm, I'm, I venture to say every person here who's got a personal faith in Jesus Christ, you know how there was, a, there was a part of your story? Somebody talked about God with you. That's how it happens. So we should be doing that for others. You never know how God could use you. If you, we talk and share and testify how God can use you to change a person's eternity. So, hold those thoughts. We're in a series. We're finishing it up this weekend about the life of Joseph. It's called Joseph Facing the Twists and Turns of Life. And today we're going to explore a moment where... Joseph doesn't shy away from including God in the conversation. And so here's where we are. If you've been part of the series, if you've been doing the reading, you know everything I'm about to say in the next one minute. 
Joseph's been through tons. He's been separated from his family when he was young. He was sold into slavery. He's done prison time. Now is midlife, and he's been put in a high position in Egypt during a strategic time. They're, having, they're experiencing a life-threatening famine throughout kind of the whole world in this area. Everybody needs food. And Joseph is in charge of all the food. So, you never guess who shows up needing food. Joseph's brothers who sold him 20 years earlier into slavery. And they don't realize Joseph is Joseph. They just know they're coming to Egypt because they're starving. And they get in the presence of Joseph. And Joseph's the guy in charge. Joseph, so here's, here's what happened. Joseph does, they don't realize it's Joseph. Joseph realizes, you're the dude, you're my brothers who sold me into slavery. And so here's what happens. Joseph messes with them a little. He kind of, if you read the story, like he kind of says, well, I don't know, who are you? And makes them go away and come back and scares them a little bit and come back. But by the third, I think it's the third time they come to his presence, finally, he's going to say, he's going to share with them, guess who I am? <laughs> I'm the guy you sold 20 years ago. Okay, so that's the moment we're in. We're going to pick it up in verse 3, I think it is. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were unable to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Of course they are. They kind of feel like they're seeing a ghost and the ghost is in charge, right? Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. A few more verses. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Do you notice he includes God in the conversation? The title of the talk is Giving Credit to God, Joseph's Big Reveal. And I want to explore how we can be people who give more credit to God, how we can lean into opportunities to just share, testify about God's activity in our life. Let me pray. I pray, Lord, that there would be a ripple effect around our families, households, neighborhoods, schools, city, because of your Holy Spirit's activity over the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Two ideas, ways that we will give more credit to God. First thing is this. We will give more credit to God by recognizing God's sovereignty in our story. Sovereignty, that's a big word. Like By recognizing God's plan being worked out in our story. 
verse 4, Joseph says, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. But he goes on then to recognize that it was actually God sending me ahead of you. Now, what I want to do here is notice there's probably two realities in this moment that Joseph could focus on. He could focus, and focus on his brothers that sold him, or he can focus on the sovereignty of God who is doing things. Does that make sense? And I want to make a note. We do this every once in a while. Just recognize it'd probably be easier, easy to spend quite a bit of time talking to his brothers about the fact that they sold him into slavery. Amen? Because that's not nice. Not nice to sell you. And so I just want to dwell there for a minute. It is easy for us to do that, to dwell on things that people have done instead of the sovereignty of God in our life. Anybody have a family situation that wasn't perfect? I'll wait till we all raise our hands. <laughs> right, that, that's the way. And I was, so just pause and think about, let's just pretend there was just one dumb thing your family did that was authentically probably hurtful to you. Your parents, like, didn't, you know, your your parent didn't show up when it would have been really helpful had they shown up, right? Most of, or you had a sibling who did something. I was thinking through my life, and I had a, I had a really, I'm blessed to have had a, a good family and good parents. But I remember one time when my older brother, uh, and gr great guy, except for maybe this moment wasn't great, um, punched me in the face. Just punched me. It's the only fist fight we ever got in. And, he, and you want to hear the story? Sure, maybe. Okay. So it punched me in the face over a pair of pants. Because I was walking through the kitchen, and I had borrowed, we were, I was 16-ish, he was 19-ish, and uh, we were the same size, and so he must have had cooler pants than I had. So I thought I'll wear a pair of his pants. I was walking through the kitchen, and he said, are those my pants? I said, yeah. Do you want me to take them off? And he said, Yeah. And then I kind of walked by him, and I went, yeah. It's kind of my fault, too. So I walked by him, and if I remember right, I walked by him, and he was here, and I got to the hall, and I realized he was right behind me. And so I turned around, and as I turned around, he just popped, bam, just popped me in the face over a pair of pants. Then we did this for a little while, right there in the kitchen. My brother hit me in the face over a pair of pants. Now, here's a decision I have to make. Am I going to dwell on the fact that when I was 16, my brother popped me in the face over a pair of pants, or should I prioritize when I was 20, God opened my eyes to the gospel, and it totally changed my life. But when I was 16, my brother, did you hear? My brother punched me in the face over a pair of pants. Or do I recognize when I was about 21, 22, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit that invited me into partnering with God to try to change the world? Or, did I, did my brother hit me, did I tell you that? Did he, he, he punched me in the face over a pair of pants. Or I can focus on the reality that probably multiple times this last week, I read the Bible and the God of the universe spoke to my soul. Does that make sense? Here's the idea. This is 
what we're going to call a sovereign perspective. It's a fill in the blank, and it's something I hope that we can consider. A sovereign perspective looks beyond the human clutter to appreciate God's activity. That's a sovereign perspective. That's what Joseph had. He acknowledged the human clutter, the stuff that his brothers did, but prioritized what was God doing. And I would submit to you this, if you could put that definition back up for just a second. Ready? That is what mature Christians do. That's what mature Christians do. I know a lot of us are trying to grow up in our faith. We're trying to grow up and follow it. That's what a mature Christian does. We see examples in Philippians 1.12. Paul, mature Christian, by the way, gets thrown in jail by people. But he says in verse 12, Philippians 1.12, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. This is what God is doing. To paraphrase it, it, he says, it looks like people have screwed things up, but really God is totally in this, and a bunch of people in prison are getting saved. And it's not just Bible people. It's the friend I have who's right now pretty sick with cancer, and yet confesses, but God is teaching us to live day by day. That's the activity of God in the middle of it. Or it's the person who loses their job and recognizes God is still providing and he is challenging me to increase my prayer life. Or they're feeling alone and they're recognizing it's an opportunity to lean into my relationship with God. It's a sovereign perspective. So here's a challenging verse. You may have heard of this if you've been around church. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. All things. Uh, I didn't really look the word up all things in the original language, but you know what it probably means? Yeah, it means all things. Let's see. So just to clearly bring this into the room, a couple fill-in-the-blanks questions. Am I noticing God's big picture? That's what we should be doing. Mm, how much time do we have? Yeah, okay, we'll do that. Uh, we're kind of silly sometimes because we send, spend so much time time focusing on human clutter when it's going to be disappointing again next week and yet you, right because people disappoint they're imperfect and yet we still the next week go back and think well I guess I'll what, who am I looking for for my help or my hope or my joy oh hopefully they won't let me down hopefully they won't let me down when the whole time there is this God who is faithful every day and we're goofy that we don't give him more attention than 
the humanity that will let us down. Does that make sense? I was thinking this week about that. I thought, how foolish I am, God. I am an idiot that I again sign up for. Oh, no, no, I'm sure that people will make me content and happy. And there's some good folks that do helpful things, but God is faithful all the time. Why do we not focus on him? So anyway, am I noticing God's big picture? And then the, the second fill in the blank there is, I, am I including it in my conversation? When you see God's activity, talk about it. Talk about him. So that's the first idea is we recognize God's sovereignty in our story. And the other thing from the text is we get heavily involved in his plans. Get heavily involved in his plans, in the work of God. We'll get back to the text in a moment. An idea I think we can all agree on is we naturally talk about things that we're heavily involved in. It just works that way. If you're heavily involved in sports stuff, then your friends know if they talk to you for very long, you're going to bring up some sports thing. Have you met anybody involved in pickleball these days? It's this new thing, and so you meet somebody. If you talk to them for very long, if they're heavily involved in pickleball, they'll bring up pickleball. We now have sports named after vegetables. Pickleball. Uh, if, you, if you have a friend who's heavily involved in politics, you know, you talk to them very long, it'll naturally come up in the conversation. Right now, I am heavily involved with a woman. Her name's Denise my wife. Hot and heavy, baby. <laughs> if you talk for me very long, talked with me very long, you know what's going to just naturally come up in the conversation? I'm going to talk about my wife. I notice in the text, Joseph brings up God four times in five verses. You know what that tells me? Probably Joseph is heavily involved in God's stuff. Otherwise, he wouldn't be bringing it up in conversation. He didn't know that this was going to be in the Bible when he said it, right? He didn't go, oh, wait, God's going to make a Bible, and he's going to write my story down. I probably should say something about God. It's not. He's just working out of who he is, and he mentions these things. You can write this in. Joseph's conversation includes God because Joseph's life is about God. In measure. There's probably some stuff that's not totally about God, but Joseph's conversation includes God because Joseph's life is about God. There is another, I'll wait till you get that written down. We're trying to make up time since I talked about red t-shirts for all that time. There's another indication that I would submit to you that Joseph's life was about God, and it has to do that he's heavily involved in feeding people during a famine. That sounds like something God would care about. In verse 6, he describes, for two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing or reaping. And what's Joseph doing about it? He is helping. It's his job. He's the man in charge of trying to figure out how hundreds of thousands of people won't die over the next five years. That's what he's giving his life to. He's managing resources and carrying the burden of responsibility for other people. And I was, when I was daydreaming about this, I thought, I'll bet he wakes up. I don't know for sure, but I'll bet he wakes up like almost every day and prays, oh God. 
I'm going to be meeting with dozens or hundreds of people, and they all matter. And will you help me make good decisions? Because if I do well, people will live. If I screw this up, more people are going to be starving to death. He's heavily involved in things that God would be heavily involved in. And I think that that makes it natural for him to bring up God four times in five verses. Go back to one of our first initial uh, people we talked about that bring up God. Here's Jeremy again, the world-famous postal worker and Christian around the Vineyard Church. And he brought up God in the doctor's office. And you might think, how does he do that? I know enough about Jeremy to tell you he does it because his life just kind of revolves around God and it comes up naturally. He graduated from the School of Ministry here at the church. He's involved in homeless ministry virtually every Wednesday evening. He serves at the community center. He's trying to be a great dad. He's trying to be a great worker. And he was in the, just in this service, he was in the tub baptizing people two men, that he was a huge part, if not primary, in them coming to know Jesus. Why does he talk about God in the doctor's office? It's because his life is revolving around God in his in daily stuff. I don't think he's forcing God into the conversation. He's mostly bringing it up because he loves God and God's doing stuff in his life. So our final question, and this is a challenge we're going to close with. Am I enough about my father's business that it affects my everyday conversation? Am I enough about my father's business that it affects my everyday conversation? And that, I think, is the big takeaway or challenge, reboot, rethink, recommit, or maybe commit for the first time ever, just as like this side little thing. If you, if you never talk about God, you should evaluate, do you have a relationship with God? I'm not saying that to be me, but like, Really? Oh, good news. God wants a relationship with you. Bad news? Well, it's good news or bad news. It's in your court. Did you know? Uh-oh. Tangent. We're going long. Did you know? This, sounds, this is going to sound so snotty. <laughs> Did you know that God is fairly fine if you live your whole life without him? Like, did you know he'll actually make it through all eternity without you? That this is not the way a lot of good pastors preach, okay? Good pastors say other things. Just to be clear on who God is. He is the creator of all things. He sustains everything just by his will. He has watched billions of people come and go. He so loved the world that he sent his son. But if you want to live your life without him, he will let you do it. 
you will have eternity without him as well. Does that make sense? Do not fall for, do not fall for the lie that don't worry, God is so loving, no matter how much you ignore him your whole life, oh, he'll just cuddle you in the end because he's a great big giant marshmallow guy who just says, no, 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 come here, he's just like your grandma. He will just, no matter how, that is not God. God is a just God. That's why he sent Christ. If you're living your life far from God, stupid us. If we ever do that, especially if he has opened your eyes to the reality of your sin and the gospel, don't stay away from God. Horrible decision. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.